Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another edition of Luke's English Podcast. Thank you very much for recent emails and messages which I've had over the last couple of weeks. Um, Positive things that people have said about uh, recent episodes in which I chat with my brother James. They've been very popular, Um, so I certainly plan to continue doing those. Uh, Next time James is over here in the flat, I'll probably um, have a chat with him about something or other. Um, Obviously, um, the more of those I can do, the better, in my opinion. But uh, James is quite a busy person, and so am I, so we don't get uh, that many opportunities to spend time together and record a podcast. Um, So I expect sometimes I'll continue to do episodes like this one, where it's just me. Um, But um, whenever he's over here, I will get him to talk to me about something, and I'll record it and put it online. Don't forget to visit the website um, where you can find... Uh, extracts um, of the conversations that I have with my brother and other things that I say on this podcast, you will see various bits of language which I've written there. And those are phrases or expressions or even sentences which I think contain useful bits of vocabulary, uh, things that you can kind of have a look at, maybe remember the pattern, um, try and repeat it again, um, and just maybe even check the meanings of certain words that you see there. That will certainly help you to learn a lot more. Um, You can obviously just listen to this wherever you are, but uh, if you visit the webpage, you will also see bits of vocabulary which you can pick up and learn as well. Uh, Of course, the website is uh, http colon forward slash forward slash teacherluke.podomatic.com. Now, um, let's see. I've been recently doing more stand-up comedy gigs, and I've started to kind of, um, let's say, like advertise them on Twitter and things like that. Uh, They're usually in the centre of London, so if you're around, then you can come and have a look at the comedy. Um, And uh, also I've had a few messages from people asking me to upload recordings of those uh, um, stand-up comedy gigs. And so I thought in this episode I would do that. Now I'm going to um, basically, first of all, tell you some things about comedy, about stand-up comedy, just to kind of contextualise the whole thing and also teach you some bits of uh, vocabulary which are often used to describe comedy performances uh, in stand-up. Um, and then I'm going to uh, play a recording that I made um, recently just before I did a gig. And that's where I talk about how I feel before the performance, what I'm thinking about, all my concerns and so on uh, about um, a performance before I do it. And I'm often quite nervous in those situations. So you'll hear me talking about how I feel before a gig then you can listen to a recording of the performance and you can see you know, which things the audience laughed at and which things they didn't laugh at. And you can hear either how nervous I am on stage or how confident I am and how much fun I'm having. And then once we've listened to that recording, uh, I'm going to just uh, sort of play you a response uh, which I had uh, following 
the performance when I came home that evening. And so I'll tell you like how I felt, what I thought was good, what I thought wasn't so good in the performance. Okay, so that's what you can expect from this episode of the podcast. Now, I've talked about stand-up comedy before in this podcast, so you should know basically what it is. I know that in the UK, it's a really, really popular thing, but in some countries in the world, it's not quite so popular. So just to remind you basically what stand-up comedy is, um, it involves an audience of people, um, often that will be in a big room above a pub, or sometimes in a much larger purpose-built comedy venue. So an audience of people and um, basically a small stage, uh, probably with one light on the stage and a microphone. And what happens is that comedians come up onto the stage and they do maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes of material where they just stand with the microphone and they just speak to the audience and just try to make the audience laugh. That's, the, that's really the only... Um, the only sort of thing you have to do is just make the audience laugh as much as possible and as often as possible. And a really successful stand-up gig will be the person talking and like every 10 seconds there's kind of a big laugh. Um, that's what you're aiming for when you do stand-up comedy. So that's it really. It's like a very pure form of expression in a way. I'm not sure if you can call it an art form, but many people do. And, and in that sense, it's like a really pure form of art where it really just relies on, on the ability of the speaker to kind of get this instant reaction from the audience. It's different from music because, obviously, in music, the, the audience just sort of sit and appreciate. Um, you've got a musical instrument and a song which you can kind of present. Um, in in, in theatre, you have a script, you've got a director, um, and so on. But in comedy, it's just the performer. That's it. So if the performance isn't a success you can't blame anyone else it's not the fault of the uh the director or the script writer or anything it's purely down to you uh, because you write all of the material and you perform it too uh, also you're being judged every every 10 seconds uh, and so you have to make sure that you know you're always getting laughs and if you don't get a laugh it's basically a failure so you know it's very high pressured um, from the audience's point of view it, it probably looks just like fun and games. It's all just a bit of a laugh. Uh, the comedian, generally, if they're, if they're very good, makes it look easy. It looks like it's all just spontaneous. It's all just improvised, completely natural and comfortable. So it looks like the comedian's just kind of just telling the, the audience a few things about themselves or talking about their day or something. It all looks very normal and natural, and yet there's lots of jokes in there and things that make you laugh. Um, so, you know, if it's a good performance, you don't see any awkwardness or nerves. You know, it just tends to flow with the energy of the room and everyone just gets carried away with what the person is saying. Uh, but actually, most comedians are really very nervous um, on stage and before a performance. Um, it's really, from, from the comedian's point of view, it's very much about survival. So you just have to try and survive your performance and just try and get as many laughs as you can for as long as possible and then just get off the stage you know so it can be a very painful experience as well especially if nobody laughs um, you know most comedians are actually very serious and they, they take their comedy very seriously and a bad gig can be quite upsetting for them because you feel completely rejected and broken hearted 
because everything that you kind of carefully worked out in the material that you wrote and which meant a lot to you personally just failed in a sense because nobody laughed at it. Now it works best when you really mean what you're saying so it, it hurts more you know when it fails. Um, comedians kind of gamble themselves and their dignity and their feelings on the prospect of making people laugh. Um, now if a lot of people do laugh, then the, the reward is very encouraging and, and validating. And you, you really feel on top of the world. But the risk is that you'll just look like an ego-driven weirdo and that you'll just get judged uh, and, and you'll just get a lot of disdain from the audience. That's the, the downside if it doesn't work. Um, so, you know, some people say that nobody gets judged more than comedians because you're being judged... Um, as soon as you get onto the stage, people are judging you, and then every 10 seconds after that, they're judging you, expecting you to tell a joke or something. Um, the language of comedy, the expressions that we use to describe a comedy performance, are, are often quite violent expressions. So, for example, if a comedian is not successful on stage, they would say that um, you bombed. To bomb means to fail, basically, on stage, to bomb. Or you could say you died. he died on stage. That means that, obviously, he didn't literally die. He just uh, had a very bad performance. So he died on stage. Or, or we'd say, oh, I, I absolutely died on my ass tonight. If you die on your ass, it's just that feeling of sort of having a bad gig where no one's laughing and you're just standing there in front of everyone. And it's very embarrassing. You died on your ass. But then again, um, what the comedian is attempting to do with the audience is he's trying to kill the audience actually now not literally that would be uh, illegal and wrong and all those sorts of things but um, that's what comedians often say that that's an expression they use they say oh he's he killed the audience tonight or he absolutely killed tonight or this joke kills it always kills the audience so it's really quite violent imagery either the audience kills the comedian and he dies on stage or the comedian kills the audience with a really killer joke. Um, and also the word punchline, the punchline is the part of a joke which is funny. It's like the funny line at the end. The punchline, as you know, to punch someone is to hit someone in the face with your fist. So there's this violent imagery related to it. So it's, it's almost like a sort of gladiatorial combat or something like that. Um, so there you go. Now, I thought that next I'll play you... Um, a recording I made recently before I did a stand-up comedy gig and I explain how I feel, uh, how nervous I am and the things that I'm worried about. Um, so that's what you can listen to now. This is me a couple of weeks ago, just before I did a stand-up comedy gig in the centre of London. OK, I've got a stand-up gig tonight, so I thought I'd just practice my material now, I'm always, whenever I do comedy, I always kind of worry about uh, the performance before I do it. And there are two main things that I, I worry about in terms of my performance. The, the first thing is the material. So that means the actual specific things that I'm saying. So um, I worry about the material because when I'm talking to the audience, it should seem to be natural. So it's best when it's spontaneous and natural and unplanned. Um, you know, just like when, you're, you, when a person is just normally talking. Now, for me, the funniest 
thing, the funniest things are when people are just being spontaneous. You know when you, you're with a friend who's really, really funny and they're just spontaneously saying things that, that are really funny and they're, they're really appropriate to the moment. Those are all important things to make something really genuinely funny. They have to be sort of spontaneous or they have to seem spontaneous and they have to speak directly to the people um, in the room. Um, and it, it all has to kind of make sense at that moment, right? It has to somehow be appropriate for that moment. Now, if you've written comedy material in advance of a performance and then you go up and you you say, like, pre-prepared or pre-planned things, it's going to seem less spontaneous. It's going to seem less kind of um, appropriate to, to that moment, to those people there. So there's an art in kind of being able to um, make some pre-planned material seem to be spontaneous and of the moment. So you have to try and build into your material um, something that is going to draw the audience in or allow the audience to connect with what you're doing. Now maybe I think about it too much and I should just go out there and just say my material. But I'm always worried that the way that I say my material won't be kind of convincing or spontaneous enough. Um, so that's one thing that I'm worried about. Another thing is um, the material itself. Now often I've written that material on my own um, and I haven't really tested it on an audience. Some of that stuff I've tested on an audience and I know it's funny because it always gets a laugh. But new stuff, I don't know if the audience will laugh or not. So there's that fear of kind of like if the things I've written, the things I'm going to say really are funny or, or if it's just me. Because quite often you'll write something that you think is really funny and you go in front of an audience and you say it and it, it falls flat and no one laughs. Um, and then you realise, whoa, why did I think that was funny? That's not funny at all. There's nothing funny about that. Um, so there's always that fear in your mind of like when you say new material, you think maybe this isn't funny. I have no idea if this is funny or not. Especially if you've practised it and thought about it a lot. After a while, you just lose the original spark of, of humour in it, and it's just words. So I'm worried that my material won't be funny. Um, and I'm worried about the performance, so that's things like the way in which I deliver the material to the audience, the way that I move physically, my tone of voice, my general attitude. For example, am I going to be uh, like all positive and upbeat and energetic, or am I going to be a bit more kind of low energy, a bit more moody or something like that. It's always difficult to know which kind of performance I should be using. Should I sort of stand still on stage and just talk? Or should I try and move around and do physical movements? Um, it's, it's, difficult to, to, it's difficult to do physical movements and make it natural again. Um, it's safer to just stand and talk. But I should try and do some physical movements because it makes it a bit more natural. But it's really hard to to do that spontaneously again, so I'm a bit nervous about it. But I thought what I'd do now is just because I need to practice going through my material, that I would just read through the material that I'm going to do today. Now I'm trying to remember it, so I expect there'll be moments where I can't remember my stuff, um, and I'll pause or whatever, so that's just because I'm practicing. Hopefully when I go on stage this evening, um, I won't be pausing or trying to remember what I'm saying. Also, there's the adrenaline of going up in front of some people. Even if it's a small number of people, you still get like an, a kick of adrenaline, which can make you talk fast and it makes you start talking about things you hadn't planned to talk about. 
And, of course, there, is, there are other elements, like, for example, what the audience are going to do. Because in a stand-up comedy gig, the audience always feels like they are involved. Like, often the audience will talk back to you. They'll heckle you. They'll respond to you or something. So that's always a bit of a worry, because you never know what the audience is going to do or what they're going to say or how they're going to respond to your material. So you just have to kind of just bite the bullet and go for it. So anyway, let me just go through some of my material now. And I'm just going to read through the material just because I'm just going to read through it normally without kind of putting a particular edge on the performance. So I'm just going to read through the, the words mainly just because I haven't really decided the best way to present the material. So who knows, maybe this won't be very funny at all. It might just be me reading through some material. We don't know. Um, I think I'll probably record my performance tonight as well, and then we can compare the difference and see if this one was funnier than the other one or, or, or what the audience uh, thought was funny or, or didn't. Because they, they might think I'm an idiot, who knows. Because they, they actually that the routine that I'm practising does have some quite rude material in it, particularly at the end. So if you do get offended by that sort of thing, then maybe just skip this bit, because there's a, there's a few rude words and a bit of explicit content at the end. Unfortunately, that more often gets laughs. Uh, if you're very rude, you can get easy laughs like that. So I'm afraid I do add some rude material uh, at the sort of end of this five-minute set, which I hope you don't get offended by. And if you're worried that you will, then just skip it, OK? So I'd like to imagine that we're in a comedy club and the MC is just about to announce me onto the stage and he goes, so, OK, your next uh, performer um, is called Luke Thompson, so please welcome to the stage Mr Luke Thompson. And the audience goes, yeah, expecting me to be really funny. Yeah, Luke Thompson. And I appear and I get the microphone. I'm a bit nervous at this point. And I go, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, well done for making it out tonight, because, uh, you know, what with all this bad weather, it's, it's freezing out there, isn't it? It's suddenly gone cold, hasn't it? I don't know what happened. Uh, it's just suddenly the temperature just drip, dripped. The temperature just dripped and dropped as well. Um, I don't know why. Well, I do, actually. It's, um, it's winter, isn't it? Uh, it happens once a year. Uh, so it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. But the snow, oh, it's, it's, you've got to be careful. The, I think the best way to describe that is uh, it's, it's treacherous, isn't it? It's, it's, it's treacherous stuff, that snow. You, you don't trust it. Don't trust it. Don't, you know, don't turn your back on it because uh, it will stab you with some sort of ice knife. Uh, and then it'll try and overthrow the government because it's, you know, it's basically tre a treacherous substance. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but um, yeah, that's snow. It's it's yeah, it's snow joke. <clears throat> uh, so uh, yeah, and my um, uh, I try to grow a beard. Um, I it, I say grow. It more just sort of came out of my face. Um, and uh, because the 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 equation, as we know, the equation kind of goes um, uh, hair or face plus hair equals manly, right? That's the equation, isn't it? Hair plus face equals manly. Now, um, but if that is true, then my gran was really quite manly, actually, because, um, yeah, because I mean, she wasn't a bearded lady or anything like that. She just had, uh, you know, she said it's a bit sandpapery, you know? You could, uh, you could strike a match off her face, you know? She was, she was quite tough. Um, she was like a cowboy, really, in, in a lot of ways. Um, she even had um, sort of a bit of uh, arthritis in the knees, which kind of made them a bit bandy, you know, bandy-legged. Um, 
and as you know, bad back made her a bit hunched over. She carried a gun uh, at all times with her, and she, you know, she wore chaps as well, rode a horse um, called Tonto. Um, that's not true, but she was in some ways like a cowboy. You know, she didn't take too kindly to strangers, um, and uh, you know, she would she would come and visit sometimes. It would be like ching 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 ching. Obviously, that's her jewellery. Ching ching ching. Because we had it was the eighties, so we had those like saloon doors into the kitchen. Ching, 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 ching. Well, howdy, boy. Me and your grandpa here just rode down from way up yonder in the Midlands uh, from a town named Sutton Coldfield. Reckon we'd come down and visit your ma and pa, drink a cup of coffee. I'm prouder than a game rooster to be able to see you, boy. Brought something for you. It's a packet of extra strong mints. Now, I'm hungry as a Missouri hillhound, so why don't you come over here and give your old grandma a kiss on the face? What's the matter, boy? You gonna pucker up them lips for grandma? Or you gonna whistle Dixie? That's that's exactly what she was like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I love watching the news, um, um, not just because of the stories, but I love the way they speak. I love their speech patterns in the news because they're strange. They don't speak like normal people, um, no matter what situation they're in. Um, the Distillers Arms in Hammersmith. Um, Hammersmith in West London and an open mic night comedy evening. I'm standing in front of the audience wondering what the hell I'm going to say next. Um, it's a little bit of tension because if I get this wrong, I'm going to look like a tit. That's, you know what I mean? Like the, the way that they, they speak. Um, I don't know why that is. For some reason, everyone on the news seems to speak something like this. The sentence stress is very strange. The intonation's just weird. No one really knows quite where the sentence is going to go next. Not even the person who wrote it. Which is rather strange because somehow the sentence structure seems to make it sound like there's an absolute solid gold fact at the heart of all of this. But maybe that's just all bullshit. Bullshit, and we don't really know what's going on inside the brain of the newsreader himself. Perhaps one thing that is very strange is that when the sentence finally does draw to a close, it has to do so on a very strange note. Why is that? Why are they, why are they doing this? I don't know! Um, but, um, yeah, I, I imagine uh, that they can't stop doing this now. I mean, it, it would become a habit, wouldn't it? I wonder if they kind of take their work home with them, kind of come home speaking like that, even to their wife. Like, good evening, darling. Uh, I had a fantastic day at the newsroom today. Talking about facts makes me horny. So I suggest we indulge in an impromptu act of sexual congress right here by the door. That's right, darling. Take off your underpants because I'm going to fuck you. This is Luke Thompson in the hallway in my wife. Thank you. I've been Luke Thompson. Good night. So there you go. That's the material. Um, slightly rude at the end, but as I said, those rude things often get laughs. Um, that's the kind of cheap stuff that people like. Um, so that, that's the five-minute material. Now, it's basically, in my opinion, two bits. So the first bit is um, about growing a beard. And then I talk about how my grandma um, had a bit of facial hair when she was, like, old. And um, so then I thought that uh, my grandma was a bit like a cowboy, which is a bit stupid, really. And it's just an excuse for me to do this kind of cowboy voice, which I enjoy doing. That kind of, howdy, I'm a cowboy, that kind of 
parent of voice, you know, that kind of thing. It's just a chance to do that. Now, that's new material, and I've only ever done that once before. Um, and I'm not very confident about it, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure I like it. I enjoy doing the voice, but I'm not sure if it's funny. So we'll see. And uh, the other bit is the bit about the news and how they talk on the news. And that's probably my, some of my best material, and I've done that lots of times before. And that almost always gets a big laugh and sometimes gets um, applause from the audience. Then, of course, there's the intro, and I, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with my intro. Um, like, I don't have a strong opening bit, which I think is a bit of a problem. So you'll hear in this... I mean, in that practice run, you know, I kind of didn't really say much. I talked about the cold weather, but there wasn't really anything very funny at the beginning. And I think in the performance, which you're about to listen to, you hear me do a similar thing, trying to make a joke at the beginning. It doesn't really work. And it picks up in the second half of the set. So now you can listen to the actual recording of the gig, which I did. And I do the same material, more or less. Um, and we'll see what happens. I wonder if the audience like it. So it's five minutes long. Um, so do keep listening. And I'll talk a little bit more uh, when we've finished. Big round of applause for your MC, Miss Dean. So, well done for coming, making it out tonight on Monday. Very cold Monday evening. Uh, well done. Because it's been treacherous, hasn't it, out there? But uh, you're, you've done the right thing to come here to the warmth and comfort of a, a comedy venue because we all know that uh, laughter is the best medicine, don't we? But, uh, well, laughter is the best medicine, right? That and Lemsip, at least. Um, well, Lemsip Max. Certainly, because, um, you know, if you have a choice, go for the Max, right? Uh, but you have to be careful with Lemsip Max, because it can be addictive, can be habit-forming. In fact, uh, recently, I, you know, I got sick and I started taking Lemsip, and then uh, eventually, four hours after I'd taken a dose, I started to develop these flu-like withdrawal symptoms. Um, sort of cold sweats, uh, chills, headache. Turns out I just had flu. Um, so that's, that's all that was. Um, yes, but recently um, I decided that I would attempt to grow a beard, right? Um, uh, I say grow, more just sort of let it just work its way out of my face. Um, but um, because I just did that in order to sort of attempt to become slightly more manly, right? Because as far as I'm aware, the, the, the equation goes um, hair plus face equals manly. Right, um, hair plus face equals man manly, which we all know, of course. But um, if that is true, then my gran was really quite manly. Um, in fact, um, you know, she wasn't like a bearded lady or anything like that. But she, she did, you know, she it was just quite sort of sandpapery. Um, she had a bit of stubble. Um, it, you know, you could strike a match off it. Really, she was she was tough. She was a lot like a cowboy in, in many ways. Um, you know, she uh, she didn't take too kindly to strangers. Um, she had a bit of arthritis in her knees, which kind of gave her that bandy legs kind of thing. And uh, she carried a gun everywhere. <laughs> and uh, wore kind of leather chaps, rode a horse called Tonto. <laughs> Not really. Um, but uh, yeah, she was basically, what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm just setting up the premise that my grandmother was a bit like a cowboy. Okay? So just bear, bear that in mind at all times as I go into this, this next bit. Okay? So, um, yeah, so, um, so sometimes she would come around and she, you know, she would visit and it would be like, ching, ching, because obviously that was her jewellery, right? Uh, ching, 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 like that. And so, right, because um, 
it was the 80s, so we had those kind of saloon style doors <laughs> into, the, into the kitchen, right? So, so it became like ching ching. Well, howdy, boy. Me and your grandpa in here just rode down from way up yonder in the Midlands, from town in the Sutton Coalfield. <laughs> we decided we'd ride on down and just meet up with your mom and pa and drink a cup of coffee. We rode all over Hell's Creation trying to find a parking space. I'm as tired as a Missouri hailhound. Now, I brought something for you. It's a packet of extra strong lids. Now, why don't you come over here and give your old grandma a kiss on the face? What's the matter, boy? You gonna pucker up them lips for grandma? You gonna whistle Dixie? That—that's exactly uh, what she was like. <laughs> uh, um, yes, but I—I uh, I love watching the news. Actually, uh, I do like watching the news. Not so much because of the stories, but just because the way that they speak. You know, the news readers, because um, they don't speak like normal people. I don't know if you've noticed. Whatever the situation, you know. Um, Hammersmith in West London and an open mic night comedy evening. I'm standing on the stage, everyone's looking at my face, wondering what the heck I'm going to say next. It's a little bit tense, because if I say something wrong, then I'm going to look like a bit of a tit. <laughs> I don't know why they do that, um, you know, whatever they're saying. For, for some reason, everyone on the news seems to speak like this. The sentence stress is very strange. The intonation is just plain weird. In fact, the sentence doesn't really seem to know exactly where it's going at all. No one really seems to be able to work out exactly what is going on at any point. But somehow, because of the rhythm and the intonation, it all seems to hang together as a genuine news story. Perhaps the strangest thing is that when the sentence finally does draw to a close, it has to do so on a very strange note. It makes me think, you know, maybe the, maybe these newsreaders just can't stop doing this now. They've got into the habit. It's been, you know, so long that this this has been going on. Maybe they kind of get home in the evening and they're still doing it. You know, they kind of like uh, get get home. Good good evening, darling. Uh, I've been, I had a fantastic day at the newsroom. Uh, talking about facts all day makes me horny. So I suggest we indulge in an impromptu act of sexual congress right here by the door. <laughs> That's right, darling, take off your underpants because I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> Lou Thompson, in the hallway, in my life. <laughs> Thank you very much, So there was the gig, and um, let's see, how did it go? Well, I think in the end it was a success. I think um, the second half of my set was really good, and lots of people laughed, and I got applause and stuff. Um, I'm still not very happy with the first half of the set, and uh, no one really understood this whole grandma-like-a-cowboy thing. A couple of people laughed, but not really enough, so I might drop that um, and uh, try and do something else. Uh, but that's a pretty standard kind of um, open mic uh, comedy night um, in central London. And that's the kind of audience that you might have. Um, but the, the second half, I, th I think, of my set was really good. And that's uh, material which I'll definitely use again later on. Um, and let's see, I am doing comedy in Brighton at the Brighton Comedy Festival this year. I'm doing a show with two other comedians. It's called Snigger Happy. Uh, Snigger is a kind of laugh. It's that kind of... 
like kind of guilty laugh that you might do if you laugh at a dirty joke or something. And of course, happy. So snigger happy. It's a joke on the expression trigger happy. If you're trigger happy, it means you like to shoot a gun a lot. So trigger happy. So, but this is snigger happy. So I'm doing this show in Brighton, and I'm going to be doing 20 minutes. So I'll, I'll need to find 20 minutes of material which I can use to make the audience laugh. So I'm wondering which things I'm going to do. I think I'll definitely include the news material and then some other things that I've got which I know are funny, like the stuff I have about iPods. And I've got some other new stuff about, uh, let's see, about waving at people on boats. Why, why is it... Uh, it's weird, right, if you uh, wave at a person in the streets, just wave at a stranger, because they're going to think, Who, who's this weirdo waving at me? But, um, you know, if they're on a boat, then it's fine, isn't it? Um, you know, in fact, it's, it's more than fine. It's great if you, if you wave at a person on a boat, especially if you're on a boat as well. Um, you know, in fact, it's like if you didn't wave at someone on a boat, it would be a bit rude, you know. Because, like, the boat would come across and you just don't wave at all. It would just be awkward. Because they'd be like, you know, he, we sailed straight past him. He didn't even wave. Unbelievable. Anyway, that I've got some material about waving at people on boats. Actually, I've never performed that, so it might not be funny at all. But um, I wonder. Uh, I'll, I'll do a report on it or something when I find out by doing it in front of an audience. And I've also got, like, some material about Robert De Niro, the actor. And I do this kind of Robert De Niro impression how to do a Robert De Niro impression. And the main thing about that impression is so, all the things that you have to do with your face and with your, the way you move and the way you look at people. Um, it's not really a voice, exactly, but more just the way he, he looks, the way he holds his body and he holds his face and the expressions on his face. And I've got like a five-step guide to doing a, a Robert De Niro impression. Um, and I... I wonder if you know the actor Robert De Niro. You probably do. He's, he's very famous. But I expect in a lot of countries, when you watch a movie with Robert De Niro, you don't actually hear his voice. You hear like a dubbed version of his voice. But I imagine the way he moves, and you know, it's still the same, isn't it? Even though it's not his voice, the way his, his face moves and things. So, uh, but that's visual. I can't do that for you on the podcast, I'm afraid. You'll have to come and see me performing live. Uh, in order to get that full uh, visual experience too. So that's like a kind of a day in the life of uh, a part-time stand-up comedian, I suppose. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. I must recommend some other comedians for you uh, if you want to kind of check out some other comedy. And, and there are so many names, so many people I could recommend. Probably the, 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 the big names in stand-up comedy are people like Richard Pryor, who is an American actor and he's kind of considered to be one of the best George Carlin who's another another American comedian who's a comedian from the 60s through to the 70s 80s 90s and the noughties um, and other people like you know Jerry Seinfeld Eddie Izzard um, Bill Bailey uh, Bill Hicks um, let's see Steve Martin um, and probably loads of other people that you've never heard of Jimmy Carr um, that those people, the great uh, stand-up comedians, Tony Law and uh, that, those kinds of people. Um, so anyway, I'll post some videos, uh, some YouTube videos of some of my favourite bits of stand-up comedy on the webpage. And you can go and have a look at them there and uh, they might make you laugh. And uh, at the end of the day, what's wrong with that? 
So uh, that's been uh, another episode of Luke's English Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes in the fairly near future. That's it. Bye, 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 bye. Thank you for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.